0: Welcome back to the Limehouse Podcast. This is William, your humble host. Mm. Am I humble? Uh, This week is a good and they're always good. Let's be perfectly frank. Mm. Stephen McIntosh, back of the net. (laughs) So Stephen McIntosh, you will remember from pretty much any BBC drama that's ever been in existence. Um, Wallander, I enjoyed that. Um, Luther, I enjoyed that. Season 1, he was uh, pretty fantastic. And then there's the Underworld franchise, uh, which he was a pretty big deal in as well. And obviously where he started out was Lockstock, or at least that's where he, I suppose what you could say, he uh, got his shot at at fame via that wonderful film. I mean, wonderful is not an accurate word to describe Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, more like an absolute freaking double barrel shotgun of um, British cinematic new wave, I would say, uh, heavily influenced obviously by the wonderful Quentin Tarantino. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good chat. We we do talk a lot about music and about his his specific journey. So we don't, yeah, we go heavy towards the end of Lockstock, but I, th- I think we sort of just go in and around what it is to become an actor and, and how that process can be helped an awful lot by parents and it's interesting to me because personally i wasn't you know i i felt like i could have had a go at that and um i have done you know not too recently um and but i i, I obviously there's there's something i keep going over and over and over with Stephen here and i think it, it kind of goes to the heart of, uh, of if, if you have in your life ever felt like oh had I made the right choices or had my parents been a little bit more supportive of certain choices of my life and my, within my education, maybe maybe things would have turned out differently but i I guess in a way more often than not that, that's not the case i mean for example, for me i am i have there is no there is nothing holding me back social mobility. I have plenty of that in my life, you know it's like it's not i'm I struggled. In my life, to, to to break out and and of of the chains that I was bound in, because I didn't have any fucking chains. Yes, heavily dyslexic, obviously, uh, that goes without saying. But you know, there are there are certain uh, certain people that are legitimately held back. Um, but this is not the the case in Stephen's story. It's quite a really, it's quite a uh, a unique one, in as much as of just how uh, his relationship was so tight with his parents. So yeah, you go, you gonna love it. But, uh, yeah, so I hope you've been well. I hope your week has been fun-filled and fantastic. Um, I want to draw to your attention the Somedays of Diamonds website. Obviously, that, that is um, it, it, diamonds.co.uk. Let me tell you about that website, because I don't think I bang on, off, on about it enough. I, there's, my short film is in there, The Name, which I did with um, a couple of fantastic actors. I wrote that and directed it. And it took a day day to make in the unreal sun, uh, late April sun. It, it was, you. Uh, I mean, talk about Lucky, the weather on that shoot. It's a, a wonderful little film. I really, really love it. I encourage you to check it out. You can you can find that on sundaysadiamonds.co.uk, along with the Limehouse podcast episodes and also the Limehouse podcast blog. So I started writing I'm putting a little bit of my life experiences, uh, what I've what I've gone through in some of my uh, some of my life, my early childhood through to teenagers, through to my twenties and now. And there's been actually once you unpack it quite a lot. So it would be great if you could support that website, somedaysadiamonds.co.uk. And I feel like I'm slowly compiling all of my life onto this one website, which of course is named after a Tom Petty song. "Some Days are Diamonds, that's a cracking tune. So yeah, I mean, that's me kind of doing the whole spiel. But um, normally I do something about pigeons at this point in a field because I am overlooking the pigeon field, but there are no pigeons. They've all... Scarpered. I don't know what's going on. It's probably because there's a blizzard. I mean, it's sunny now, but it's about 32 th- degrees outside and uh, blowing a gale. Jesus, wet. How about that? The old Easter weather. <sighs> Blimey, Charlie, here you are again talking about the freaking weather. Uh, yeah. Anyway, look, if there's anything you want to contact me about, of course you can. You know, you know where to find me? Well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, at LimehousePod. At Limehouse Pod and uh, Instagram, always there, just doing the things, trying to keep that going. But damn, it's hard. It is tricky trying to keep things going when you've got a toddler, a newborn baby, relatively newborn baby, um, uh, under your under your wing, you know. And it's it's tricky, and especially with a new house and what have you. But I try. I, but does it matter? Does it make any difference doing these things, these these socials? I don't think it does. But it's fun to do it anyway, all the same. But uh, yeah, reach out at LimehousePod. Always good to hear from you. Uh, the Limehouse Podcast at gmail.com. The LimehousePodcast at gmail.com for any of your I don't know, needs. I mean what do you need? What the fuck do you need from this podcast, from this guy? Not a lot. No answers here. <laughs> Jesus. You know freaking little rabbit like working the controls in my head. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Stephen McIntosh is a wonderful guy. This is a a great, great, great chat, and I really, really enjoyed my time with him. And um, just to brace you, if you're a regular listener to the show, um, there is a a conversation that's going to be had pretty soon about space, about the big, fat fucking universe in which we uh, circulate. And I'm thrilled because I've spent the past six months getting so deep into I don't know astronomical physics but also just the whole thing I mean astronomy to me is just uh, you know mind-blowing and I've been going to bed every single night for the past three months listening to the planets by uh, Andrew Cohen and Brian Cox narrated by the wonderful Sam Sam West and I have not stopped listening to that so I've got a lot of uh, (laughs) <laughs> information to download, and I feel like I need to share it with someone. So I thought I'd share it with you. And um, yeah, I'm bringing a doctor, Fraser Kane—not Crane, but Kane—on the show, who uh, has a, a podcast called The Universe Today, and it's a really, really cool podcast. It's like a real great Q and Q and A kind of podcast where listeners ask him questions and stuff, and he has just got all the knowledge. And it's a bit of a mind—it's a bit—it's a bit of a mind fuck, but it's also a wonderful mind fuck because. The universe is, is got a great way of making us feel insignificant, but in a good way. Levels us, right? And uh, there's plenty of that, let me tell you, to be had right now. Let's face it. Uh, anyway, look forward to this uh, show. I know you will. It's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. Um, have a great week. Rock on, stay safe. Um, I, I, I'm tethering. If you know what, if you know what that means, I'm using mobile data to make this happen because we've just we've just moved house. And we don't have any Wi-Fi, and um, it's actually it's actually stronger than actual Wi-Fi. We spent about eight weeks in the countryside prior to this move, and. <laughs> they're just using data like 4g is stronger than than wi-fi in the countryside it's completely insane wow so yeah, it's not you... really wowy, is it it's a bit boring sorry mate
1: for a phone what just through a phone yeah oh. Te- Where about where <laughs> are you in the where, where in the countryside are
0: you <laughs> um dis uh, says norfolk south norfolk oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah whereabouts are you I mean L- I'm in London
0: Camden Camden our second highest um, listenership is in Camden really yeah. randomly I don't random as hell don't know why I just, just checked this out the other day like analytics you know because everyone's into their analytics and I was like fine I'll do it. I'll be I'll be that guy as well and I was like Camden town that's where I used to go when I was a, a kid getting hammered and watching shit bands and being in shit bands you that's know yeah yeah but um how are you doing how's your evening
1: it's all Right. yeah i'm i'm all right thanks i'm yeah it's good i'm down in the basement of my of my candle house so everyone's
0: upstairs this is my this is my man cave where all my records are oh, mate what have you got behind you what what's your um I, i'm guessing it's quite eclectic but what's your what's your stick I know I could bore you to death for hours with it. It goes,
1: yeah, it goes all over the place. It's like funky elements and then it goes electronic and weird and 60s and, yeah, it goes all over the shop. Yeah, sweet. So like, but, yeah, Camden, six- so I kind of, yeah, I've, I mean, I've, that's what I miss. I still do the gigs in Camden, obviously, in the world, when the world used to let us do that. I still used to kind of do all that stuff, even though I'm not an old geezer in my 50s now. I still used to... Like, I saw something at the Electric Ballroom just before lockdown last year.
0: Yeah. Um
1: I love all that stuff. I really miss it. What What did you watch? Uh, that particular night was a band called Beak, who are Be- really... Beak. they're They're called Beak, B-E-A-K. They're really interesting. They're... um. They've actually they've done a soundtrack um, for a really bizarre little film called Couple in a Hole. Um, But they're like um, there was a Bristol band from the nineties. You're
0: probably too young to even know about. They were called Portishead. Uh, (laughs) What are you talking about? Oh, I'm so I love that. I'm 39. And oh, I know Porter's Head. Yeah, yeah, there you go, mate. Yeah. Oh, it's tag- I, I, yeah. I look horrific tonight and I'm wearing a hoodie, so...
1: You, you're, you're giving off a sort of young visage. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so one of the guys from Porter's said is in this band Beak, so they're like, they're really good. They're sort of... Uh, sort of Kraut-Rotty, Rocky-influenced, if that means anything to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Kraut-Rock. So, yeah, definitely.
1: Really yeah. Instrumentals, instrumentals, but a really good... Great drama, really sort of funky backbeat, but with like trippy electronic grooves.
0: Okay, yeah. What? Look, like, I mean, I, this is probably way out, but I was thinking Future Islands. But I think Future Islands are, qu- are quite trippy in their own in their own way. I don't, I don't know them, but I'll look them up. You'd, you'd really like them, Stephen. Definitely. I mean, like big time. You, you're. How old are you? Like f- early fifties. Fifty-three. 53 okay so I just spoke with Pat Nevin the well you know Pat Nevin for Christ's sake surely no you don't know Pat Nevin he's a Chelsea legend Tranmere Rovers Everton like early 90s 80s that kind of
1: you are you might as well be speaking to someone from another planet if it's to be <laughs> <thought>. <laughs> and you could, I, I will talk to you for hours about obscure music get me on sport and my eyes glaze the fuck up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about um, let's talk about uh, Premier League football then. Let's just fucking do it. Yeah, let's, let's see how I'm looking up future let's,
1: to speak. I'm already
0: And look, I'm yeah. They're very eccentric. They're pretty eccentric. Well, like yeah, I don't want to debase the guy, but he's a very eccentric front man. And um, I mean, it's not not like 100 my sort of thing but it is um it's very emotive it's got it's it's got its kind of like leanings towards stuff like um joy division yeah Definitely. i can hear that yeah. it's so cool yeah yeah i, love, like I, love, I, love, I will tell them that later thanks for that one yeah no sweat no sweat I'm slightly behind the curve though mate because they've they're, they're a bit old now they're probably about four or five years old which in today's language is about 50 decades oh, yes like, oh, yeah, where where did you grow up anyway? You 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 sound like you might have always been in London.
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew, I came to school in London. I went to a to, to a stage school in London when I was twelve. But I re- I was originally from Cambridge, but I came to yeah school here. So I sort of I became a Londoner really from the age of twelve. So it feels like it's you know 12's young. So it feels like London's. Do you know what I mean? London's where it's always
0: been. Oh, big time. Yeah. And like, what, what, so, sorry, from Cambridge to whereabouts in London, was it quite a big, big, like, um, not culture shock, but kind of like that?
1: It was, it was massively exciting. It was like 12 years old going, coming into Covent. The school I went to was in Covent Garden at the time. It was like, wow, this is, Whoa. Yeah, it was in the centre of the West End. It was like, it was one of the early 80s. It was just, oh, it was so exciting. Yeah, it was incredible. And I think I don't think I ever really lost that thrill of London because, it, you know what I mean, That I, I've never really... And we keep having the debate about... That's why I was asking you about where you're living now because because my wife and I just keep having the debate about, you know, the old chestnut of, shall we move out of London? You know, that one. Um, yeah, oh
0: yeah, yeah, uh, but,
1: yeah. But, and we keep... And I, I do... I love the countryside too. We've got a little narrowboat somewhere as well, but I... I'm really, I don't know if I can make that full move. I'm scared of it. I'm scared of what that might mean. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Like, look, we, we've, I've, I lived in the countryside up to about, properly up to about 10 years ago, I guess. Right. Um, so, South, like, Surrey, uh, Guildford way. Yeah, And yeah. then, um, then moved to London. Um, you know, <laughs> sunny old London. But my point actually is more along the lines of when I was 12, uh, my dad would take me up to the cricket sometimes and I'd get a slow introduction to it and get that, oh my God, like going to Lord's Cricket Ground for the first time or, or the Oval. You'd yeah. see these massive crowds for the first time, right? And it's all theatre, really, anyway. And um, But then gigs as well, like when I was a bit sort of old, like 17, 18 upwards. Like, was it your introduction to London um, at the age of 12 was it bloody hell? Did, did, you, did your family move to London and then it and then no, saw, like drama? No, I
1: no, I I I I boarded with a family who lived in London for a bit. Like I did like weekly boarding with a family in in South London. Jesus uh, Christ! Yeah, which was weird. And then, but I was, uh, but it was weird because I realised I was con- I was spending so long commuting with them in South London, getting into Covent Garden. Eventually, I realised. I think I could probably get on a train from Cambridge really early in the morning and it would take a similar... So eventually that's what I did. After a year of schlepping from South London into town, I just started getting up at stupid o'clock and getting on the train and, go- and coming into Liverpool Street every day. Age 12 or 13? Yeah, 12 and 13. And then, of course, as I got older and I got became friends with people, then I used to stay with people during the week. and It was a fun, fun crazy time. Uh,
0: you know, so and, sorry, go on, Stephen. Sorry. Yeah,
1: so it was, yeah, and you know, it was a theatre school and it was just, it, it was, it was what, it, it was a time of kind of wild abandon, really. I'm not sure how much I learned, but I had an absolutely brilliant <laughs>
0: time. <laughs> I bet you did. Um, I can't believe I've got, I've we've, we've got to backtrack a bit here because I want to know the background there. Um, Like, your parents must have been pretty. You either must have been seriously fucking determined and talented, or you're, or it's a combination of things for allowed for that to happen. Like I'm super jealous, by the way. Okay, I'll tell you what my... it was. It was determination.
1: Do you know what it was? I could be in, in. In all honesty, what it was was I was. It was a combination of the fact that I was involved in drama on a kind of amateur level in Cambridge, and I was doing a lot of it and people told me i was good at it i was like i got a response it was like oh okay people seem to like it when i do this so i did more of it you know what yeah. I mean? it was like okay um it was a combination between ha- getting a good response from that in my spare time and s- slacking really rather badly at, at the local ho- comprehensive school in cambridge i mean really <laughs> right. quite really quite badly so I think it was a bit of a moment for my parents where they were, it was a brave decision for them to say, um, well, how would you like to get out of this school? And perhaps would you like to go audition for this stage school and focus on the thing that you're really, you are engaged with and that you are enjoying? And and that was like, yeah, which is a pretty, it's actually a big deal because it doesn't, That's huge stage school doesn't, Work out for a lot of people. I mean, it's the statistics yeah. are not great for people that manage to do you know what I mean, continue and oh,
0: God. sustain
1: yeah. sustain a career from that young. It's it's not um, statistically. If the, I think if they'd probably done their research and said. How many of these people? How many people from this school have actually sustained a long-term career? They might have looked back and
0: said, <laughs>
1: "Yeah, let's let's rethink the stage stage." Dream, yeah. yeah, Dream
0: Macintosh. Think, yeah. So
1: it was a big, it was a big, big gamble. But as I said, I was not doing well at school in Cambridge. I was, I'd zoned out. I had zoned out. I was not interested. It was that another brick in the wall thing. It was that. I was in a in a comprehensive school and I was feeling just like a number. I was hating it. I was feeling uninspired, but I was doing yeah. all the drama stuff in my spare time which seemed to be going quite well. So it was this odd combo and that so they yeah, so they made this brave decision which
0: miraculously kind of paid off. God, that's is mental, isn't it? I do you know it's so funny because I mean it, it kind of my wife and I were having a walk earlier with the dogs. One of them went feral. It ruined the walk. But anyway, um, but we, we were saying like the, the the chances are of your parents, anybody's parents going, hey, do you know what? Follow your dream. Be an actor. It, it's absolutely, it, it, they're in this insanely slight. And, and you get to the point where even if you're talented, some of your parents are going to be like, some of your parents are going to be like, well, you know, what's wrong with a trade or what's wrong, wrong with, the, you know, professional career? Those are the things you'd be pursuing. But 40 years ago, that's even different. That's it's even more in, intense, exactly. isn't it? that's. I think you've hit the nail upon the head. It's like even, even now
1: it's a big deal. Back mm-hmm. then, nobody was making that kind of decision. So, yeah, the more I kind of reflect on it now and I go, that was huge. What, yeah, your decision was huge. But... I think they had the foresight to realise that if I stayed where I was, it was potentially some some quite severe going off the rails was perhaps. Right. In, do you know what I mean? So I think it was oh, a, yeah, yeah. okay. It was like, well, we've got to we've got to try this because I don't think the alternative is going to be uh, uh, is going to be a happy ending. And, I'd, and I'm yeah. convinced they were absolutely right about that as well.
0: Yeah. It's not really permissible, is it? As it's, like, it's not really fair on kids to... I mean, not obviously, like the conversation I was having with my wife earlier was basically along those lines of, like, you know, if you can... You know, if your kid's got a natural ability and you're saying... And they're really passionate about it as well. And they're giving you... not, They're not giving you an exact roadmap to how they're going to do it because that's kind of mental to expect a 12-year-old to say... This is how I'm going to achieve success. But if they've got that level of passion, it's a, it's kind of like bestowed upon the parents a little bit, a little bit of like, hey, maybe we should roll the dice a bit here. And it's it's so goddamn refreshing to hear your to hear that f- f- your story. I mean, where does that come from? Is that was that your mum and dad's? They're both combined like. I think it was probably it, it was my mum's.
1: Pro- she was the one that was kind of I think really. She was interested in amateur dramatics, but only it. it not, she wasn't a performer. She enjoyed making costumes and she liked being involved. She liked, it was a thing for her that she enjoyed. And so I think it was because of her that I was ever involved in the first place. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was determined to become an actor. It wasn't, I never had, because I'm often, I'm fascinated by this thing. When people talk about, when people say, why did you become an actor? And you hear people go, well, I can remember being five and and watching watching a film and thinking, that's where I was. Or going to the theatre and saying, that's my calling. That was not it for me. That was not it. I did it. And I think I got involved because my mum, like I said, my mum enjoyed it. I got involved. I enjoyed doing it i seemed to get a really good response when i did it i got i did rather well at it and so before i knew it, people were kind of giving me big roles in things but it was never like this is where i'm going with my life this is what i want for my life i didn't really have a vision as such so it was really them yeah. they just they offered this thing to me and i was like do you want to audition for a stage call in london and i was like well yeah why would like what's not to what to say no to it wasn't like yes this is my chance it was just like that sounds like a great laugh well they <laughs> they, they were listening that. so but i just they were listening yeah but i wasn't it was never i there was never a drive inside me that was like this is my calling this is my life but it was darling just, I think, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm interested by that as a thing because I didn't really ever have that. But I think they were just being, they were being led by my, you know, by the fact that it seemed to be something that I was good at.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, this <laughs> they, were really like, they were
1: going, he's good at that. Let's go with that. Well, you know?
0: yeah, right. But but I,
1: mean, were, I guess they were playing to my strengths and going, yeah, you know, it's like, so that was, you know, that was it. But I never really, at any point, thought it wasn't until this is always really interesting as well that I did. It wasn't until I was about, it wasn't until I was in my early twenties when I finally kind of really, really started to understand what my life as an actor would really mean. That oh, okay, this is now, this is my life. This is a life I. This is this is the journey i'm on now and then i had to really start up until that point it had been playing i'd been i've been uh, having a having a great time but playing yeah and it wasn't until my early thirties that, that i that i was up that i was asked to do some really quite challenging work you know some i mean it was shakespeare and i and i I was offered massive roles in Shakespeare and National Theatre at a very young age, and I had no experience of, of the classics at all, and it blew my. How old mind. were you then? Tw- Twenty-one.
0: But yeah, I'm. K- I'm sorry, uh, Stephen. I just, yeah. I really, really want to. Before I forget, it's really fucking interesting to me, like how your parents saw something in you, and and I know you you t- you, you talked a little bit there about how. You were like, your exuberance was basically your pathway, almost, an yeah. unknown pathway to you. Yeah, yeah. But, you, but I think it's really worth touching on or just, I don't know, pausing to think about how your, your parents saw something in you that you necessarily didn't. Um, and then it's just so odd that that, that happens, but it never happens. And parents do see it, but normally it's because they're good at maths right? Or they're fucking good at sport or something. It's never that they go, do you know what? One of the most competitive, disappointing industries on the fucking planet acting. Let's give them a go at that.
1: It's so true because most, because even, because I have to say, even now, if my, if one of my kids had said to me, can I go to stage school? I would have said, (laughs) yeah, good one. Do your (laughs) maths. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. like, good nice joke. Yeah. yeah. Get your match. Up. I I would have been that person. Now the only yeah. reason is, is because I because I have been to the stage school and again I know I was incredibly lucky but I, I feel like I there was some luck involved. I mean the odds are not the odds are not still not great for going to stage school very young and and managing to, to sustain something. So I I yeah you're absolutely right it's it's a it's a it's a big one but i do cre i Mm. do you know i am i'm grateful and i credit them you know all all credit to them for it because i'm you know i i I, god knows where i'd be without it so
0: yeah Um, so i didn't interrupt your flow or everything because you know it's it's just i think Perversely, I, I think I'm actually a bit jealous of you. I think I'm like because I, I just I'm a gardener now. Like life's that that thing is gone, man. It's fucking gone. But, um, well, actually, I'm a, I'm, I'm actually kind of a full time dad now, really. But anyway, um, and I always just think I just think about parenting, and I do think about these mistakes my parents made with me, and and you know I think everyone's that's the problem, isn't it? With with um with being a, with being with a kid, looking at your parents and thinking. Oh, they fucked up. They didn't do me right. They did me wrong. Poor me, kind of thing. But it is just, just to put a line under it, it is just fucking cool to hear your story. But the the you being at the National Theatre, like so, and and taking on these roles. What roles were they, and and what was your so, first yeah? Like, experience? So, I, so I'd
1: had yeah. So I'd had success in a in a I'd had a big success in a play that went into the West End, a Neil Simon play called Brighton Beach Memoirs. And it, and it was a big, it was a really big success. And it was a bit, it was a major moment for me. It was a great, a fantastic, funny, funny coming of age story. Uh, and, and Peter Hall, who was running the National Theatre at the time, saw this play, and then just offered me three whopping great parts at, at the National Theatre, on, on the main stages at the National yeah. Theatre. I, I didn't even audition. I mean it I, it freaked me properly the fuck out I mean i i so i I didn't yeah, so i <laughs> and I went to him <laughs> I had a meeting with him in his office. I froze with panic. I had really no very little experience of doing Shakespeare. It wasn't something that was and this is an issue again, this is a dry this is this is drama school versus stage school because there are two very different things. I went to state school. I didn't go to an official drama school. Now, drama school training would be traditionally much more rigorous and would give an actor a fully, a proper, thorough grounding in the classics. And now, now there are, you know, there is obviously a debate. There's always a debate. People say, yes, well, you shouldn't go to drama school because they'll beat certain things out of you that are natural to you and you know you'll always speak to someone who who went to rada and say now you you should never go but nevertheless it will drama school will give you a a solid base to work with on the classic i didn't get that so when he, he he said would you like to play ariel in the tempest and uh, what was the other one? There was like the love, one of the lovers in Winter's Tale. Florizel, I was a whopping part, and then another part in this place, Trembling, on the Olivier yeah. stage at the at the National <sighs> Theatre with you know with, wow. I mean we're talking you know uh, you know Dame Eileen Atkins and you know all these t- you know Tim Piggott smith Ken Stott, these it's amazing, is, Mike Christ, these incredible actors. I yeah so I, I just. I froze and I and I had a it was a big it was a it was a major moment it was a crisis because I thought mm. something's off here what if I why am I freezing with fear and terror and wanting to run away when someone when this is an opportunity that lots of young people would you know that you say you've been offered three large parts of the national theatre playing shakespeare most young people who, who had a, an ambition to be an actor would be literally leaping into the air, and I've I've scored, I've flipping, I've hit the jackpot. But I wasn't. I was wanting to run as far away as I possibly could. Was and that so, like imposter syndrome? Uh, yeah. So I thought, okay, this is a this is a moment for me. This was my wake up call, and it was like, if I don't want to do this maybe i'm not a real actor then so i've this is a I, this is a moment of you know where i had to figure out what because this was I, up like i said up until then i'd kind of been playing um and i was so i was terrified i went to meet him at his office at the national theater and i sat down with him and i said peter i'm utter i'm flattered that you've asked me to play these roles I can't tell you. It's 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 really amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm going to politely decline. I'm going to, no. Thank uh-huh. you so much. <laughs> it really is so kind of you. And I can't tell you how honored and flattered I am. I can't do it. Sorry. Okay. And he said, oh, no, 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 why? I can't do Shakespeare. I don't. I don't think I'm. I don't know how to do Shakespeare. I'm not. I, I can't do it. I've never done yeah, it. I'm. I'm scared of it. I don't understand it. I'm not sure. I, I'm terrified. I, I can't do this. I'm not. I can't do it. Thank you so much once again. <laughs> no. Um. Anyway, he so. so but he's he. He patted me on the shoulder, um, and calmly said, no, "No, no, no." Don't worry. We're it's going to be absolutely fine. You'll come here. We're going to have a very long rehearsal period, and you're going to um, you're going to be looked after, and we'll guide you through this. And why don't you come along a little earlier? We've, we're doing this ensemble piece before that, and that'll get you into the company, and you can get feel the the the, the atmosphere of the theatre, and then then you you'll feel more relaxed. Sounds great. So he t- he talked. He t- so he talked me, and he said. So I walked out of the room, going, "All oh, right, I seem to have." I went in there with a, a definite no, and now I've, he seems to have persuaded me to do it. Wow! And so I <laughs> and so I did it, and I embarked on these three these three enormous plays, which were all oh, which all were being rehearsed at the same time. Um simultaneously and then all performed at once as well so it was a massive rehearsal period and then all three plays were being put on at the same time so it was oh like quite yes. uh, yeah it was quite a big thing um That's, wow so that was my sort of that was my moment where i had to kind of yeah that was me kind of growing up as an actor and having to really think about what
0: the different you know
1: uh, this was the end of the play
0: um right yeah 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 getting real it's time to time to like you know f- yeah visual cut bait or whatever the expression and is. i and I and
1: I, I and I and i'd like to tell you that it was that the whole thing ended up being a very happy experience and it was all great but actually it wasn't it was terrible <laughs> it was it was horrible and it was every it was everything i hoped it wouldn't be it was a, personally it was a disaster but
0: oh no what, what, what happened?
1: Because I because I still didn't I didn't perform the plays in a way that I, I wanted to I I was I didn't feel I was very good in them and I so and I, the I, imposter I,
0: syndrome carried through was that was that it
1: yeah I just didn't I wasn't I was hoping for some kind of revelation where someone would go this is how you do it and I'd oh, go okay ah oh, yes it didn't ever come. I didn't ever get. It never clicked. It. I didn't get that, and it's not. Uh, you know, Peter had his particular method of uh, of directing, which was through the rhythm of the verse was key, and he had a very, very particular way of directing Shakespeare, which was all about the rhythm, and the rhythm would give you the sense. And I, it, I, I, it just, it, I didn't ever understand. Stand, I didn't hmm. ever get it I just didn't get it it never
0: yeah.
1: it didn't ever land with me and I understood his method but I, I couldn't ever make it work in practice and every time I stood up to do it I was just I'd heard myself and I was like ah no, no. This, this is not it yeah it's not for everyone though and it's not for it's it's not, I've tried I've, I've, it. so it was so it was a kind of it oh yeah it It was a disaster, but (laughs) but I did come out of it saying, um, but it's okay, because I don't, okay. So now I've been through this really challenging experience. It was really hard because I was going out on stage in the National Theatre on these vast stages, playing these big roles, really feeling like I wasn't very good in them at all. It's a difficult feeling.
0: That's a very
1: difficult feeling to cope with when you're like, I know there's a good part here and I'm not doing it. I'm not giving it
0: everything I'd like to. Anyway, I just, I don't know how you do that because I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I've done a wee bit of acting myself and I, I yeah, it's easy because I've done like just comedy and it's easy when you know the lines and it's comedy and, it's, you know, you're waiting for the timing and people are loving it and the audience is fine. But flip it out, man, Shakespeare. I've seen Shakespeare at the Globe where like, you know, some some of the actors don't even understand what they're doing. Like um, some of the, most of the audience don't understand what's going on. And it's all just about like feeling it and, and, and judging it and, you know, interpreting it in your own way. Yeah, I just, it,
1: it, anyway, it was a, di- it was a very diff, it was a difficult, very, very public, you know, it was, a, it was a big, mm. it was a big um arena to kind of have a kind of, to feel, as, ex- to feel as exposed as that, it was very exposing, but, mm. and it wasn't all bad because we did the most incredible world tour, which was, mind-blowingly incredible and I will net and that, oh my God. Stayed, that stayed with me forever so it wasn't all bad and I worked with some wonderful actors who were really you know b- but in terms of what I was actually doing i I, I hated myself in it and I but as far but at the end so part of the growing up was at the end going do you know what it's okay I just
0: mm.
1: I just won't do the classics <laughs> <laughs> and so how I, and how I, did. I, so I, I left the experience after a year and a half of being there. I came out and I was like, I hated every single minute of the, of playing those roles. I, I and I take responsibility for that. But I I still and then I then I was starting getting sent scripts for films and things, and I was starting yeah. and then I was like ah, yeah, this is, uh, ah, now. And then I got, I was back into camera work again. And then I, and then I was like, ah, so I, but I like this and I, I get this and I feel, I feel like I'm hitting my groove again. And then, so I just thought, well, it's okay. I don't have to be, I don't have to be a classic. I don't, I, I was under the illusion that to be a proper actor, you had to be a classical actor. And I don't, I don't, think that's right i mean i some people would say but uh, but i just i'm i'm i just became i just decided if i never do shakespeare ever again it's absolutely fine no one there are plenty of actors that love doing it who do it brilliantly
0: well that's that's the thing isn't it and so it's quite funny
1: right so i that that was like a sort of a was a moment where I thought, okay, if I don't have a classical stage career, I, I can still be an actor, but maybe, so that was the point where I started to form ideas about, well, what kind of actor then will I, and then I started to really think about what kind of things I really liked, and up until then, it had just been like, oh, you've got an audition, go for that, and then I started to really engage with, what do I, what do I actually, what do I like, what do I, what do I aspire to? And that's when it, I suppose it started to, yeah, then it took a kind of new direction then.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's a funny, it's a long, it's a long learning curve to tour the world doing something that every minute you, you hated when you're on stage, it's a long learning curve, but that it, it's quite, it's, it's quite funny to, I guess now to be able to look at, look back on it, maybe like 25, 30 years later, but, um, but so, so when you, when you came off stage, and you were in front of the camera, and you were more settled. Um, what sort of what sort of roles were you were you were you going? What you were being put in front of, like by your agent, and and when when you when you talked about being at home for the first time in front of the camera, what can you remember? What those experiences were, what those projects were.
1: Well, I can remember. I can. I know exactly the first role that I did that after leaving the National Theatre. I got offered a very small role in a film called Memphis Belle. <laughs> I love that film. <laughs> Yeah, which is a great great film. So I left yeah, I left the national and then got um and then went up to Lincolnshire and we were sort of based on an airbase uh for a few weeks with all these great young American actors. Yeah. Um and I had a phenomenal time. I had a few scenes in it. I had a few I had a few little moments with Eric Stoltz in it where I played a a, a, a young rookie radio um operator who eventually died you hear him die on over the radio it was a great little i had a few lovely little moments in it yeah
0: and it was yeah, a mate, brilliant experience
1: that. It's, a, it's a really it's a good it's a good film and there's some yeah you know this young um harry Connick jr and uh <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Eric Stoltz, John Lithgow's in it, David Strathairn's. Mo- it's really, it's a good... Matt, yeah, Matthew exactly, Mo- Matthew Mo- yeah. Mo- Um. So I that, and then, so I was, you know, I've suddenly found myself on this set, on this f- film within a big, you know, massive cranes and B-17 bombers everywhere. And suddenly I was like in the midst of, oh, okay, come on, this is like, this is... This is making a film this is and then i felt like okay so i do i did i definitely still do want to be an actor then it's just that this right, is where yeah. i this is where i want yeah. and so that
0: you got a story that, you've that got a story to tell
1: and i yeah, yeah. and i it, and so yeah. after that i just thought and i really did and i left i left i did up until that point i had done a lot of theater and i just sort of left I left the theatre behind for a bit after that for quite a yeah. long time. And then it really became predominantly sort of camera stuff. And it wasn't until later on that I decided, much
0: later on, I even dipped my toes back into the theatre again. Yeah. Um, so what's, yeah. what's the link What's the link with Lockstock and how, how did it come about? Because, um, I mean, that was a bit of a fucking game changer. Yeah, well, that was one of
1: those things where it was like I got i got sent the script for this unfinanced film um would i like to chat with the director and maybe speak about you know get big, big, big attaching myself to it as a kind? They, they're not quite ready to make it yet but he's trying yeah, to he's just trying to assemble a group of people to do it while he's trying while he's getting the money together um and I read it and I always, it was, I loved, you know, I loved it. It immediately had, it immediately had something. You'd be, you know, you'd be blind not to see that it, you know, had, it had something there. You know, it was, it was, it had a spark. It was funny. It was an, it was an engaging script. But as I said, it wasn't, it wasn't ready to go. It wasn't, it wasn't financed. I met Guy and I, uh we uh we got on really well and 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 eventually the uh he said uh you know do would you in principle are you happy to be involved in this thing when we get to do it so it was one of those things that was kind of it was around for quite a long time and i'd sort of you know i'd go out and do other things and occasionally it would re- it's you know i'd hear oh yeah they're thinking they they're going to try and do it then oh no they're not quite ready um yeah and, and then eventually it did sound like, and various people were being attached to various different names were coming and going with the various different roles. Uh,
0: and then. What event- did you think of the name of it when you were, when you were sat down, like when you first, because you, I, I know, sorry to interrupt you, Stephen, I just, I felt like sometimes if I don't grab a question, I, it will just disappear into the ether. <laughs> and, yeah. I, I just think because there there are two things. There's one. There's the name of the fucking film, which is bonkers. Because, uh, you, you, what what the fucking name of this film? What is this? And then there's the script, which, like you said, just 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 probably you know really spoke to you. Um, but those two those two things <laughs> they don't always happen. So like when you first read the script along with the, the name of it, did it? Were you just like, Christ? I hope this gets made.
1: Yeah, I, I was like, it was a, it was a script that I was like, yeah, this is this is good. There's something in this. I'd, yeah, and it was one of those. It's like, I really hope they get to make this because there's something. It's yeah, it's got it's got something. This it's definitely it's a, it's it's funny. It's got a it's distinctive. It's hmm. I, it just had yeah, and the title had this kind of ring to it like just couldn't quite you couldn't quite put your finger on it yeah Um, yeah and then all of a sudden it was like uh i was doing another job um and then i got a call saying oh that film they're ready they're on. this happening like now and i think it works with what you're just finishing and so you're gonna i think they're gonna do it and then and then I gather at the, and it was, I'd like, okay, yep, yeah, next week. And then I gather at the 11th hour, s- some money d- dropped out big time. Something bottomed oh, out with yeah. someone who had committed to invest in it dropped out in the, at the 11th hour. And, Ma- and Matthew Vaughan, uh, and that was a major blow. And I gather yeah. Matthew Bourne just had to literally phone up anybody and everybody he, he knew and say, can you chip in? Can you chip in a couple of weird, <laughs> we really want to make yeah. this film. And I think all sorts of people just suddenly came in at the last minute. And I know, I, I know Trudy Styler and Sting were a couple of those people that came in at the 11th yeah. hour and, all sorts of people just went oh go on have a have a bit and obviously and you know they ultimately did rather rather well ultimately but so 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 so, so, i think it was it was a get having uh i think because i originally i think handmade films were involved and that was um yeah uh George Harrison, you know, the Beatles company. And I can't remember. Oh, right. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I
1: can't yeah. remember what happened there, but something happened with Handmaid. And so anyway, it became, it was just scrambled together some money. And yeah, um, and I think they, they managed to scramble together not quite as much as they really needed. But anyway, we're going to make it yeah. with what we've got. And what they had was a great script. And they also had a great team uh the cinematographer and dp had been working um they'd been working a lot on commercials and they gathered together um a lot of brilliant visual tricks that they'd been using in their you know commercial stuff and they just and they just threw everything at it um and it just and the and the energy on set it was one of those things where the energy on set was quite. I remember it being quite chaotic, and I remember mm-hmm. when we finished. I remember personally when I'd finished thinking, oh, I'm not, oh, I'm not quite sure how that went. I hope it's all right because it it was such a good script, but I'm just not. I don't know. I'm just not sure. <laughs> and then I and then I. And then I bumped into Nick Moran and all the boys in Soho one day, and they'd been doing, I think they'd been doing some ADR on it. And they came up to me and they said, oh, mate, we've just been seeing some, like, some b- s- clips of the film. It's looking really, really good. And I was like, oh, okay, they seem all seem really pleased. And they said, look, guys having a screening next week, you're going to come along? And then I went along to, like, a little a screening room, I think about a week after that. And then I, um, and then the film started and there's that whole sequence sequence where Nick Moran is there's the chase with the, with the moody yeah. boots and the, you know, the case
0: Yeah. There's, that moment, there's
1: that moment where the, where the bag goes flying and there's a freeze frame and then the music kicks in and I'm sitting and watching and I got, and it's, and I've recounted this a lot and it's never happened before or since. And I had like a sort of a, like a rush up my spine, a kind of an absolute spine tingling moment where I went, I "Oh, right this this is yeah. this is a this is what they call a hit," and I could just feel it. <laughs> it was like a it's really it was an extraordinary moment, and the film hadn't even properly started yet, but it was like. Yeah this is this is hitting this is hitting a button in a way that I've not seen before and then after that yeah. everything just expl- it just exploded it
0: was just that it was just like the absolute it, that whole groundwork the foundation over like from Tarantino and what have you been laid and then just like this British sort of, um, I don't know what you'd call it, interpretation of whatever that was. Well, I think think it had, had,
1: exactly, because I think it had some of that sensibility, but it also had a kind of Ealing comedy sense of, you know, it (laughs) It had Italian job kind of thing. Yeah, with a bit of Italian job. So it had that marriage of the, something like you say, of that new Tarantino-esque you know kind of visceral guttural violent energy very
0: violent but,
1: like well but, like... but yeah but actually but combined with a with a very with almost a kind of period englishness that is and i think that was the magic the magic combination
0: yeah it's interesting that you mentioned e- Ealing, uh Ealing comedy side of things there cuz that, that's come up a couple of times recently on the show but i don't know
1: you, it makes, I think all that stuff when they're kind of, you know, when the, all the mob are kind of, you know, listening through walls and all that, it makes me think of, <laughs> like, it's like the Lady Killers or something. Do you know the lady, what I mean? yeah, exactly, that, exactly, mate. What a yeah, film. Yeah, it's it's that kind of, and I just think it was, yeah, it was an inspired, it was an inspired combo. And I do, yeah, yeah.
0: and I'm very fond of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got, it's got I mean, it's, it's so funny because it does feel very, it's not, it doesn't doesn't feel recent. It's kind of weird, but it's definitely, it's one of those films where it just stands up. It just stands up so much and and it changed, so, I mean, you know, it's one of those films, you know, after that, hundreds of, of rip-offs were made and that's because it was just so, it was just a standalone classic, but I mean, it's... Um, <sighs> It's so funny because when you look at some of the guys, some of the guys have gone on and done stuff. Like, one of the guys was in a Band of Brothers as well. Yes. Yeah, right. And um, it's so so random. You see him in Band of Brothers and he's like, you know, he's talking like dead and all that. But, but, but my real, what I was trying to get to was... I think that what, might have what, been
1: Dexter. Was Dexter in Yeah, it game? was.
0: Yeah, yeah. Dexter. Yeah, yeah he was, i forgot his name, Rome? his character. Yeah, um, what what was the chemistry like with you guys? Was what was that? What was that? What was the chemistry like with you guys? I mean, on set, because you said like you know, you, this is the thing. Like I've done, a, I've made a cut, I've made a short film and a, and a feature film, and you, you know, you never know, you never know what the fuck is going to happen. And the, the actors, you know, they'll they'll give it their best, but they they they're not going to be able to say whether or not it's going to be. You know, go the whole nine yards, um, and then on set, I presume with lock, Stop, like any other film you do, you just don't know until you're there, right? Well, also, you think what, on you, watching you, it? Where you, where you, the thing is, you, you have to.
1: The mistake I've made on many occasions is to try to predict, and I've done this many times, and it becomes quite painful actually because I've been on sets of things, and and I've been in the in the middle of the scene and watching stuff on the on the monitor. And thinking, oh yeah, this is this is working like a dream. This is going to people are gonna love, and that's that is fatal, fatal mistake. Because you just cannot, you can't until 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 it's in the edit, and until you get you see how it comes together and see the response, you cannot predict and even the greatest script and I've been involved in some that on the page I thought this is this is a dead sir but somehow it goes through the process because a lot of pe- a lot of different people are involved and somehow something happens where it just doesn't quite it just doesn't quite get whatever you thought yeah. is trying to achieve on the page so it's a uh, So anyway, so in Lockstock, and also because I wasn't part, I wasn't necessarily involved in that, the central, you know, I wasn't in that, Hmm. the main gang. I was, we were like a kind of separate entity, us lot in the, the weed, the weed, the posh weed growers in the, which, which, um, funnily enough, 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 (laughs) it was in Camden Lock Market five minutes from here before, yeah, it was, in, it was in, yeah, a deserted bit. It used to look so different then as well. It's, it's extraordinary to think of.
0: Um, You're shooting in that guy in the neck, right, with the air rifle?
1: Yeah, all that stuff with the,
0: yeah, the air <laughs> rifle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fucking most hilarious bit of the film. Like, I mean, there are so many funny pieces, but that is hysterical. You must have loved shooting that. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying that, but it must have been a bit of a laugh. It was, it
1: was, it was,
0: yeah, it was a lot of fun. But like I said, at the end of it, I walked away
1: and I was like, I had a good time, I can't tell. And I'm not sure, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't feel at all necessarily confident that what I didn't know, it, from the scenes I'd done, I was like, I can't tell whether that's, whether that's hit the nail on the head or not, whether that's it, but, you know, there you mm. go.
0: So, like, what what does interest me, mate, is... Um, and this could not ever be taken as an insult, I think because you're definitely not a jobbing actor but there's like you've done so much work like it's fucking insane and for that I doff my cap to you but what I do what I really what interests me is how an actor stays in work that is a really simple question but how the hell does an actor stay in work in terms of picking the right work knowing what to say yes to and then picking a few duds but then you know carrying on as it were being able to pick yourself up afterwards i mean it what do you think is it can't be is it down to luck is it is it like an intuition that you pick up along the way you know because you must have loads and no, loads no, of friends that have that like struggled that's a really good
1: it's a really good question that whole thing of just of making, that's When it when you because when you get to a point when you can start to make choices, it's it's an interesting thing because then you have to really follow your you just have to go with your instincts on what you think is what what you really like, you know. I Mm. you know and I've I've passed on some things that have done I have to say that have done you know really quite well and and it's it's difficult sometimes you go
0: yeah
1: I, I let that one go I didn't think it i read it. I looked at that on the page and I wasn't quite, I wasn't sure at all. Yeah. I was maybe wrong about that, but there's nothing you, mm. can, you have. You have to just go with what your gut tells you when, when, when you read it and it's, you can't, there's nothing you can do about that. You just have to just go with it. But it's a really interesting thing that, because you can't you can't categorically know what is going to work you just Mm. can only know you can only know what you respond to
0: yeah no i know i know it's just Um, it's and and then you and then you have
1: to roll with the punches after that and then you have to take and it's difficult and if you you do commit to something then you think and you think i love this i really and you give and you give it a million percent, and you're on the set, and you you just you you know give your blood to this thing, and quite often maybe it mm. might even be a big budget thing, and then it somehow doesn't get received in the way that you would like, or it just doesn't quite work in the way that you like. You know, it can it's 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 it it's hard, it's difficult, but you just you just I think that stuff sort of gets better with. It gets easier to deal with in time. I think you just kind of, yeah, it's you get more able to kind of just accept that and 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 move on and really enjoy the and really enjoy the process of it. I think when you're, I think when I was younger, I did obsess more possibly and think too much about what, how much what, what the end product was going to be and the reception and all that yeah. stuff. Do you know what I mean? I think you can get yeah. You can, You can get wrapped up on in all that and then i think ultimately you just have to think i i like what's in the script i want to enjoy making this thing and once it's out there it's out there and people are going to make whatever they make of it and i can't and i
0: can't control that you know it's just it's just what really get what really interests me like i said i've done a bit of of work and on 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 films and and what have you and serious (laughs) seriously low budget um But you know, the actors that I've had involved are professional actors and, and, you know, they, they're sitting on their phones between takes, checking their agents, you know, emails, what have you, and, and they're going like, you know, what the fuck, what's next? That 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 fascinates me, and I think it goes back to our point. Where we start the conversation with our parents going, "Look, do you want to do this?" I mean, this is really not well—not your parents, but you know, my you know, my parents being like, "You know, that's that's no living, mate. You know, you're going to get screwed over. It's you get get a proper job because um, it is terrifying. I mean, obviously, you know, you're you've you've had serious success, and you're 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 upper on like um, you know, you people love your work and what have you, but it's not. It's not like that for everyone. So in a way I'm kind of asking you to you can't you to answer so, a question that you
1: can Yeah, ask. but you can never be, yeah. yeah. The thing is though you can never, be, you, can never be, you can never be you can never be complacent about it. I think the moment you think oh oh I'm all right. I sh- it will be I'm fine. I think that's Forget it. You can't, you do, you do, there is no true security. You do never really know what's around, what's around the corner. Um, And sometimes that, sometimes that's, you know, sometimes that's really challenging. Um, And at the same time, it can be, it can be thrilling and horrible at the same time, because you can have a moment when you're like, I really don't, I don't know what's happening now. I'm really, I, I really could use something. I want, You know, I want to be working on something fabulous, and then you're, you know, you're hanging around for a bit. And then before you know it, when you least expect it, something else, something really interesting pops up. But it's you can you can never take any of it for granted. You just have to give each piece of work your best. Just give it everything you've got. And I mean I, you know, there is of course, there is always that thing as well. And this is another really important element, is you know, actors talk about having Having another form of income and i think that does help and i and one thing that's always, that has always that's helped me as well is i've had a i've managed to do some i've had a voiceover career as well so i've managed to record voiceovers for for a lot of documentaries and things which has been a which is again has been another really it's been another really useful tool and i i think that's yeah you know that can't that can't be ignored as a as a mm as part of the process and that's also enabled me to to make some choices as well that's enabled me to say at some point say actually i'm not going to do that job that, yeah. I, that script that script that i think is actually really terrible i'd really I, i'm thankfully i'm not going to do that because i'm able to, i've got i've been doing some other some other voiceover work so so there is you know that's another thing too that is if you have got that
0: as it can be a valuable yeah. thing because you know, that's really, really i really i love that and that's what I, I that's kind of what i love about acting the, the different facets you have to have and the ability to roll with it but what i suppose we've, we've only got a few minutes left really but and i've got a annoyingly I've um, I've completely forgotten to ask about Luther but one of my nagging kind of questions or I don't know what I really wanted to know rather more than a question is like some of the people you've worked alongside of um, uh, over the years it's been a real privilege to you um, and if there are any actors that have sort of felt that the, that reciprocated um I'm trying yeah so there have been people
1: along the, lots of people along the way that I've found really inspiring to 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 watch and work with I mean even going back you know to that to to that dreadful Shakespeare experience that I had dreadful in terms of what I was where I was at in my head I was able to watch someone like Ken Stott was in those productions uh, back then and I used yeah. to watch him and just go, "Oh yeah, th- that's it. You're, <laughs> it. You're doing it." And I, that's what, that's where I want to be. And I was able to really, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't nail it then, but I, but I was, I found him really inspirational. And I, I, I mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was able to glean a lot from it. So yeah, I'm always working with, with people that I'm but i love to see how they how they work and i and i and i love to see people being really uh i love to see people really enjoy being on a set as well that thing that nature of that collaborative thing of being yeah you know what I mean? That team... Oh, God, some yeah, it's people, fucking some, brilliant. Some people are team players and some people really aren't. And for the, for the most part, people are really delightful. Occasionally, you might come across someone, you go, okay, got your number, yep, right, you're one of those. They're quite rare, thankfully, but I just love that thing on a set where it feels incredibly where it where it's a you're you're less aware of the 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 hierarchy but you it feels collaborative where everybody's able to say oh do you know i've got an idea about this and it might not even be something that's directly related what you're doing on the set i love that and i particularly love that about maybe doing maybe sort of smaller film projects that the real passion projects that maybe are less constrained by budget and the you know the machinery there's something oh man yeah yeah something and, and lock stock was one of those and there are there is nothing quite like that when you get a script that you just think oh, i love 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 this and everybody gets on the set and they're thrilled to be there because it was really bloody hard racing the money and the, director, yeah. the director's first gig and they and they're the directors just like listen anybody's got an idea just chuck it in and you live and breathe yeah. this thing and I I just I really do I, I love I love that thing I mean I've worked with things on people I I mean I made I've made some short films actually with two directors mm. who, who still they haven't made feature films yet but they've been actually some of the most exciting things I've been involved with because they're really yeah. They're really dare there's something very dare they're making these new, fresh pieces of work, and they're really going all out and they're being quite daring and brave and you know what I mean? And I love that. I like that thing where people are really like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm gonna take a risk here. I'm gonna make something quite out there. Yes. I
0: really
1: do you know what I mean? Because there aren't any... Rest- mate, mate. I, the constraints I, of being commercial or, or I hope it appeals to this person or that person. They're just wanting to make a film. I've got this nutty idea in my head and I want to get it out. I, I I, still... I love that
0: kind of filmmaking. I love it. You should... You, oh, man. I should have asked you to be in my films. <laughs> oh! It's, like, it's so funny. There's, um, you say that, like, the... I've referred to it a couple of times tonight, but we did a a film about a year or so ago um, in my local park and my house, and my cousin's house, and it was Tim Bentink from um, The Archers who plays David Archer. yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, funnily enough, Daisy um, Badger who plays Pip, um, (laughs) David Archer's daughter in The Archers. And then on top of that, we got... um, uh, David Archer's brother um, in it as well it was it, 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 it's fucking insane but anyway it was like that It was just exactly how you described it you know small set everyone got an idea and so many times I had the guys coming up to me going look we're used to stuff like you know um you know big big sets and you just get told to sit in the corner and just wait for your call this is so it's, it's low budget yes but we're getting fed well and we're getting input and we're really getting our teeth into it and and it was so so much fun and um i'm just in the editing process now um whilst moving house with two wow. kids <laughs> Um but it's it's cool, isn't it, man? Like and I think you're you know, you're what, you're fifty-three, you know, you've still got that hunger, so you, I, I presume that there's more well, in I, the pipeline for us to see.
1: Well yeah, I mean I you know, I'm I'm back I'm gonna go and shoot something in Belfast like next week. It's been it's cool. been it's been a little gap because of this whole weird experience we've gone all, all flipping no, going sure. through. It's been a weird old but yeah, so it'll be it'll be weird to be on a set again, but I'm looking forward to it. Um but I do always I love, yeah, I love those, yeah, sometimes those smaller projects that really fuel the imagination, that are, that, are, that like I say, are just re- going all out to just take a risk and make, you know, that don't have to feel like they have to find an audience, you know. Right. I think it's one, of, yeah. it's one of the really difficult things is when, you know, things feel like they have to reach out to people. I'm I'm a big, I'm quite a fan of, I'm, I'm a, sometimes my sensibility of things I like to watch is people might, I, I, I like things and it's the same in music as well. I like things that are quite out there. I don't mind if they're a bit dark. I don't mind if they're, hmm. I don't mind if they're narratively incredibly loose and yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm a big fan of ambiguity and loose narrative. Right, for sure. And people taking kind of mad risks. Because I just, I think out of that stuff is where that, I think that's where the greatness comes from, is people, that's where you find the gold, is when you just, yeah. is when people are it's really
0: fun. experimenting quite freely, you know. Like harnessing that shit as well. Like obviously like some of the best directors can harness a great script can't they and there's some like some of the great actors can harness almost can harness like or manage to harness what a great director is trying to convey and and so much of that producer for example in a great band or what have you it's about almost like i can imagine going to the studio with pixies like for the first time do you know I mean? like steve albini or whatever and him being like yeah. that's great but how you know maybe if we just you know do it a little bit like this and then fuck me man you've got doolittle or surferosa or something you know it's like yes, please, baby. Um, anyway, look, hour um, and four minutes. You've been very, very sweet oh. and generous. Uh, um, what album is, um, should I listen to? Give me an album because I think I really, really want to start listening a bit more to some different music. I'm going I'm a bit bored of my music.
1: Are you? I'm gonna try. And I'm. I have to just because I'm. I'm. I'm always. I'm such a train spotter. There's millions and millions. I'm trying to, I'll pick out something recently that I've really.
0: Was this six? Did you listen to all six music or something?
1: No, do you know, I'm, I'm quite old school. I buy, I, I buy like Uncut and Mojo magazine and I, I turn, I turn the corner over of oh, pages. I, cool. I know I underline things oh, like, a proper oh, old like that. I yeah, love like it. I, I used to do that. <laughs> yeah i really do i mean i and i still do it i really pay attention to all the reviews and pick out things i'm just i really want to pick out something that's that's really leapt out at me and there is so many because when
0: yeah when the when i was basically able to do two podcasts a week on the on the wednesday i'd have a new band on um and I, that was my attempt to try and stay in the groove because I used to be in bands and what have you. And I always used to think, God, no one ever asked me when I was in an unsigned band what it was like to be, you know, what my, where was my creative process coming from, et cetera, et cetera. I had uh, consequently found loads of awesome bands, Pillow Queens being one. They're amazing. But um, have you found one yet? Have Steven?
1: you heard of a singer-songwriter called Kevin Morby?
0: No, I have not.
1: Well, yeah, he's really he's fantastic. So he he's he's really really good, and he's at the album. How do you spell it? The album Kevin uh, M O R B Y, and uh, the album the Kevin Morby. Um, and I would say the album to listen to is called Oh My God. It's from
0: 2019. Oh sweet. Okay. Cool. Oh my god this nice one he's, yeah like he, mike moby <laughs> he's yeah he's a really interesting
1: guy he's yeah, yeah he's he's really good but i yeah i'm trying to think and then i like i do like a lot of electronic stuff as well i like things like bicep have
0: you heard them mate you're talking to the wrong guy i am so i the thing is right i'm i'm one of those guys who just my idea of going off the radar is putting on classical music that I haven't heard before. So it's like, but that said, like my wife's more into electronic music. Like she's way more down that line. You know, she, she's so listen, the night if, you're, if, if you're stuff. partial to here we go then,
1: because you might really hear, look, then now this, if you're partial to, to classical, this is, uh, this is, this is a beautiful group. And I've seen these guys play live. They're phenomenal. This is they. I put this on first. They're called, Uh, It's a long title, the group's name. They're called A Winged Victory for the Sullen. A Winged Victory for the Sullen. And that yeah, so and they so they have got, and I would say choose their choose their their self-titled album from 2011. is it's beautiful. I suppose it could it goes into the realm of Contemporary classical, but they use they feed electronics into it as well. It's good stuff. It's good yeah. shit.
0: Do you do you just really quick? Do you, do you like the uh, <coughs> Max Richter reworking of Vivaldi's um, four, se- four Seasons? Oh no, I haven't heard that. I mean, I love Max Richter, but I haven't heard that. It's really it's really good. It's it's, it's used. You'll fucking recognise. There's a there's one opening piece. I think it's either, I think it's Spring. That they they use in every single advert, every single BBC drama since it first came. Uh-huh. Out. But okay. don't let that stop you. It is, uh, it is so, so emotive, especially around now with the seasons are changing. Well, the season is changing now. It's like, oh, I'm oh gonna, so beautiful. Yeah. Lovely. But cool, man. Well, look, I want to send you a link to um, my short film because okay, I think David. you would find it sweet. Please do. <laughs> please do. I'll send it to David, um, your agent. Yeah. Right. And um, we'll see what happens. But, um, mate, right. thank you so much for your time. And you are such Probably. a fucking sweet guy and so lovely to talk to. And you're so goddamn enthusiastic about your job. It's so nice. I'm not always this enthusiastic, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not really, I'm really not always this enthusiastic. But today okay. I am. There you go. Um, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. But, yeah, do send me your brilliant. short. That'd be
0: Brilliant. I will, mate. I will. All right then. All right. Look after yourself, Stephen. Take care. See <laughs> you, buddy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, well.